the three refuges and the five precepts. So the uh, custom tradition is that member of the lay congregation requests the precepts to make it clear this is voluntary, something that you ask for, it's not imposed upon you, not a matter of me telling you, <laughs> but you ask because you recognize the need to have some guidelines that you remember that you place high at the top in your life you've prioritized in your life because otherwise what does get prioritized in your life it's going to be the job the fashion the da 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 you know and so that's just the way it is it's just that we get flooded with information and in this flood there's the river sweeps us away everybody's flooded away in that river you know swimming struggling it seems like life but it's actually like you know you see dead fish in a river they're going along really fast that's called progress <laughs> <laughs> they've got no life <laughs> so you don't want to be a dead fish in the stream you want to get out <laughs> and there's plenty of guidance how to get into that stream but there's not many ways of getting guidelines on getting out of it <laughs> and this is one of the guidelines on getting out of it at least to some degree get your foot on the shore that's why it's called a vehicle sila is a vehicle towards uh, <clears throat> yeah towards happiness inner contentment self-respect happiness of feeling happy contented in one's heart inner happiness sealing the sukha ting yanti happiness to sukha su means good happy but also good it's reliable happiness it's a vehicle towards wealth but this is real wealth not just cash currency it's the wealth richness of heart it's a vehicle towards that richness of heart because once you establish sila along with it comes some sense of discipline restraint resolution and you know this is where you are you're in this your actions then guide you away from recklessness, carelessness, just following things because everybody else is doing it, being casual or it, you know, it just gives you a sense of you are now steering your life rather than just being a fish in the stream, swept along by it. <coughs> this is where your wealth begins. Plant the seed there and the wealth begins. And so Buddha's always establish sila as their, as their vehicle for transcendence sila in a it's a vehicle for cooling down the flames of, of passion and greed and aversion the fire that scorches us the fires of delusion that smoke gets in your eyes from those fires can't see straight. Yeah. We think what's we think you know what's ugly is beautiful. Yeah. 
Uh, we think uh, we don't see the value, the beauty the, of our own hearts. The smoke of delusion gets in your eyes. So when it cools down, the smoke clears. No smoke without a fire. <laughs> the sealer, you put out the fire, smoke dies down. And so it's a vehicle towards that cooling where the heart wakes up. This is where this is what's important. <clears throat> so as it said, Silang, uh, thus you should um, purify these precepts, keep them clean. So you take them out every day and you brush them up. When you look at the end of the day, did that stay clean? Did it? Okay, it needs a bit of dusting off here. Speech. Yeah, but didn't get so good today. Just clean that one up. <laughs> yeah, okay, try again. Because it's like every day you, uh, yeah, okay. It's you know, it's it's a reasonable stand, but still, even then, it's still quite, you know, quite taxing to just keep cleaning it. Speech, particularly. And then you do that. Clean up your speech. Your speech connects to your thought. Your thought connects to your heart. Bad speech, bad thought, bad heart. <laughs> good heart, good speech, good thought. Yeah. Good thought, good speech. It's just that's the cycle. So we look after our speech. You know, gossip, slander, curse, revile, deceive. Yeah. And then you think, then you, yeah, it's, feels my word is straight now. My word is straight. Mm-hmm. Well, my word is straight, my thought is straight, my heart is straight, my deeds are straight. That's right, you know, and you keep cleaning it. It's good every, uh, generally in the Buddhist countries, we try to do just deliberately repeat, recite it or go through this on the, on what's called the one pra, the moon days. Full moon, new moon, quarter moons, half moon, so on. <coughs> That was the that was the tradition in India because they didn't have didn't have days of the week. They had the moon because no clocks, no calendars. You just check out what's happening in the moon. That's the calendar. It's in the sky. <laughs> That's before they had Google. <laughs> and it's still there. You know, so you can do that, or if you like, you can do it every Sunday or something. You know, so you try to make a day when you just. Look at it and you review. And if you get those getting pretty good, you can feel a sense of, yeah, I've managed to steer through the flood without getting swept away. And this is a source of some confidence in which we can, that confidence builds. Then we've got a basis for meditation and deeper purity. So we take these... Uh, uh, five precepts. Mm-hmm. Refrain from intentionally destroying, taking the life of any living creature. Pana is generally a, a, a life form, breathing creature. It includes insects and fish. Um, Dinadana, taking that which is not given. Kamesu Michatara, sexual misconduct, sexual abuse, abusive relationships, um, and so on. 
treating people as objects of desire rather than respectfully, non-consensual. Utsavada literally means deceitful speech, but we can broaden that to include gossip, that which hurts people behind their back, uh, swearing, which stabs people in the heart, makes them seem stupid, harsh speech, which is harsh, rough to hear, and chafes the heart. These are ways in which we stab each other a thousand times. <laughs> we can stab each other a thousand times and strangle each other a thousand times just with our words. We refrain from this, said that when you say things that are worth listening to, you go to the heart and gladden it. You make friends where there were enemies and you delight in it. The treasure of right speech. You know? We purify our speech. You know? If it's not skillful speech, why say it? So it's all right to be silent, as we know. Once we've broken that habit of constant chit-chat, then you can get along fine, sometimes better. <laughs> and so retreat, you begin to know that. Therefore, you think, well, actually, now I can do a lot without even saying very much. What's really helpful to say, necessary? So you kind of have restraint and, and, and prudence around speech. It's a very powerful medium. It can affect people very strongly. And then sura miraya, intoxicants. Well, this means uh, things that make the mind uh, lose responsibility, blur our faculties. As you recognize in meditation, even when you haven't had anything to drink, it's still pretty blurred. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the chances of you have had a drink or two really being straight and clear? Not much, is it? So you say, well, you know, maybe a little drink now I'm in. Okay. And so say, you know, your brain surgeon's going to do an operation on your baby. And is, is, it, is it okay if he has a drink before he does it? <laughs> so you know. <laughs> you know, the, the airplane pilot's going to have a, just a quick shot of whiskey before he flies the plane. Would you get on the plane? <laughs> no. <laughs> So you just think, it's better just to make it very clear, I don't do that. Then you don't have to keep saying, well, maybe one or just a little bit. It just makes it clear and simple. Uh, and these are things to train oneself with as best as possible. Yeah. Sometimes people give you a chocolate liqueur and it's got a little sherry in it or something you eat. But these aren't like, uh, it's intention that counts and uh, knowing what you're doing. Um, but because the basic principle is not fear uh, and, and, and law, but sensitivity and concern. What's called the world guardians, concern for one's own mind and body, realizing if you act in unskillful ways, you get the results of that and you, you contaminate yourself. And you, you don't have to be. Your heart could be bright and pure. You don't have to stain it. And these actions definitely twist and stain and choke the heart. As we've seen with cases of, as I've mentioned, cases of violence, you know, the person has to live with this, you know, really distraught mental state for maybe the rest of their lives. And so concern for one's own welfare, and of course concern for how we affect others, so this is, uh, these are the guardians of the world. So it's very much a, 
to others as to myself. Mutual, mutual. So you look in your in your life. You do I have respect for this person, or at least non-harming this person, whether I like them or not. And I cannot swear at them or curse them or revile them. Yeah, I could do that because they're better. <laughs> yeah. So we never lose ourselves in in desire or fear. You know? Which is where people do get lost. They get desire for another person, and they lose themselves. Fear of another person, they lose themselves. You understand? Sense of respect comes first. If there's respect, mutual respect, then affection and metta is bound to develop. It just happens quite naturally. But you get it right. You develop first of all the respect, and the more then the metta happens by itself quite naturally. It's a natural feature. Um, and so we cultivate this, and uh, as practitioners, we get those two principles, conscience and concern, and these can be developed. This is the basic beginning of it. This is the beginning of it, and then you can spread it. So you start to think of other creatures. You think, well, you know, what do creatures live on? They need trees, so let's not cut any trees down. Well, try not to, because the birds and the insects, they need that. Why can't I let them have some? Why do I have it all for me? <laughs> you know, that sense of respect for all life. And concern. Because, of course, although it's not against the precepts to say, you know, to eat meat or something, certainly not against the precepts. But when you consider the effect of five billion people eating meat, there's definitely an effect. You know, which means a lot of animals die. A lot of animals have to be intensively farmed, uh, often in very cramped conditions. And you have to cut down lots of forests to give them room to feed on, grass to feed on. Right? So there's an effect there. And everyone's concerned for that. You know, we see, well, if you don't have the trees, you don't get any, the air's not good. If the air's not good, the rain doesn't come. Rain doesn't come. What's going to, you know? We're in, we're in deep trouble. And so we look at the cycle of the planetary life. And you realize, as we get more <coughs> aware of this, you realize that planetary life is all interconnected. It's like a web of life that's interconnected. Anywhere you cut that web, anywhere you cut it, you damage the web. So if there's five billion people hacking away at the web, and then, of course, it's going to come back to this. So that's what's happening, you see. That's what's happening. We can see it. So, do I need to? Because, for sure, meat, fish, and so forth, the main reason why, because it makes money. A lot of money, industry, uh, so was encouraged because it makes money. You know, so we we sell life for money. You know, we sell fish for money. We sell animals for money. We sell trees for money, and we sell people for money. You know, slavery still going on. Still slavery still occurring. In London, there's still slaves. 
still people being sold. Yeah. And of course, a lot of people are not technically slaves, but they're so bound to work. They're virtual slaves. They're called work slaves. It means you, you never get a break because you've got to keep making the money to pay the bill, to do, 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 and so on. So, you know, we say, well, I just, I'm going to, as a lay person with money, I can withdraw the energy where I don't want it to go. Can I do that to any degree? This must be a question you ask yourself. Clearly, you know, one person on their own, but imagine five billion people doing that. And where does it start? It starts with one person, two person, three person, everybody doing their percentage, pulling, they don't want that, don't want that, don't want that, don't want that. It begins to change things. That's how, that's how it changes. You can't wait for the government to do it. Because uh, essentially, unfortunately, we, we begin to realize, well, often the government itself is in power. Well, the power is held by the economic forces who, who, you know, sponsor votes and things like that. So it's all stuck together. So we say, well, I can withdraw that because of my whether it, my respect for life I don't need that maybe I need less no, less, less is better on that level and on many things we can consider you know, perhaps less is better less new things because of course everything metal plastic, wood it comes from the earth. So the more we keep taking, 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 you know, that, that's, the earth didn't say you can have it, we took it. That's called taking that which is not given. <laughs> the earth didn't say, oh please, we just I'm having that. And we don't pay it back. You know, it'd be okay if you took something and said, here, have something back. But what do you get back? Throw the trash and we poison it. That's, that, to me, that's pretty much like a crime. That, that nobody individually knows this. They don't think it. We're not aware of it because we don't really consider it. Just do that, pick it up, and throw it away. But with your careful attention, you should consider, where did this come from? Where does it go to when I finish with it? Where did it come from? Where did it go to? Wherever it came from, it means there's now a little bit less of that available. Where it goes to, that's a bit more trash that's going to go in the river, in the earth, in the air, in our lungs, <laughs> in our blood. We're in this. No? So we consider this wisely, carefully out of respect. <coughs> so you look at this and you, you know, with when you've all practiced renunciation, as you know, when you think of the idea, you think, oh no, God, no, can't do that, renunciation, oh, too tough. And you do it, oh, that's not so bad after all. <laughs> Once you get over the shock, 
Oh, it's not so bad. I can get by with without eating in the evening. I can do it. I can get by without television. I get, you know, I didn't have to be connected to the internet all day long. I can do it. You, you know that. You know it. You've done it. <laughs> yeah. So now you kind of try to take some of this. This discipline has been more or less created by the retreat, and now this is the gift. Because you've done it, we've asked you, but you did it. You're the one who did the discipline. You can keep doing it, because <laughs> uh, you can. Yeah, well, at least you can try, and that would be your 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 gift. As we see, the most beautiful thing we do is make a gift. This is our gift. We give our training, our discipline, our conscience concern to our parents, our friends, our teachers, but widen it to the whole world in which we live. This is how we share merit in a very real way. And beware as you cultivate, you know, the sanya, talked about sanya, impressions, watch out for the new, the glittering. The shiny, the new, the glittering. Oh, wonderful. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Yeah. And so you get a mobile phone, oh, nice you you do you know that the mobile phone to get the minerals for that they have a big poisonous sludge to, that they've created from all the extracting all the minerals and they dump it you know, into this toxic waste. We don't see that. This kind of thing. Beware, the convenient. The convenient, like, you know, the, the plastic disposable water bottles where you just get the water. It's convenient, isn't it? You carry it with you, nice and clean, convenient, drink the water, pop it in a bin, it's gone. <laughs> where did it come from? It's so clean. It's so clean, plastic. Where did it come from? Oil. <laughs> Thick black sludge dug it out of the ground had to cut down trees dig a hole in the ground use a lot of energy to dig it up burn up lots of energy digging it up dig it up burn lots of energy to make it into plastic burn lots of energy to make it into bottles burn lots of energy to get it to you <laughs> right then you've got this thing which is so clean and then you Right away. Where does it go to? <laughs> goes into the river, goes into the ocean, fish eat it, die. That's where it went. Breaks down into the ocean, goes into the water, goes back into you. That's where it goes. Remember, there's no such thing as a way. There's no a way. <laughs> there isn't any place called a way. <laughs> material world is bound, it's restricted within this boundary. There's no way, no away from the material world. If it goes anywhere in the material world, it comes back to us. You know? So we consider this, you think, well, what do I need this for? Human beings survived hundreds of thousands of years without, without this. 
You kind of just get a metal bottle and fill it up. And this is the way we can make these contributions out of concern. So I myself made a resolution, just simple thing. Seems kind of difficult sometimes, but I said, well, I won't drink any water that comes out of a bottle, plastic bottle. And if it means I can't drink anything for 24 hours, that's okay, I can get by. I can generally get somewhere where I get some water within 24 hours. If I'm a bit thirsty, doesn't matter too much. And so, so I practiced that. And so I've traveled around the world. And then uh, another year I went to southern India. And people said, oh, you've got to be careful. Water in India is difficult. Look, don't worry about it. I, I've been sick before. I survive. If I get sick, I get sick. I'll get over it. Or I'll die. But I'm going to die anyway. <laughs> so I go and then I get some water and I just boil it up. Drink the water, no problem. Because, you know, if there is anything in there, it's going to be like little amoebas or bugs. And unfortunately, you know, <laughs> okay, you, you destroy that, but that's, it's, that's within the precepts. And we say, well, you know, maybe this is better. Less does less harm than if I just throw some onto the plastic heap. You see, when you come from Chennai, you go through the, uh, the airport and you just walk this road and it's either side. It's great heaps of plastic on the beach. Heaps of plastic bottles. Convenient. And then birds eat it, die. And it's the same thing in Thailand. It's all oh, you can't drink water. I'll just, I'll do it. You know? I'll just try it. And yeah. It's okay. You know, and people make something out of these places as if they're so, water's so bad, but one place I wouldn't drink water <laughs> out of a tap is, you know, you know, like in, in Michigan, this town called Flint in Michigan, where the local automobile industry in Detroit, they poison, they throw all the trash, all the poisons into the water, all rivers poisoned. And that's the municipal water supply. So people drink that, they get sick. Yeah. The water's so bad, they say, I won't even give it to my dog. <laughs> they won't even put it on the plant. Even the, even the plants won't take it. <laughs> yeah. So I won't even wash my baby in it, it's that bad, because it's, it'll hurt the baby's skin. And, you think, you know, and that's worse. Because you, when water's got chemicals in it, you can boil it and boil it and boil it. They don't go away. You know? So it's, um, you know, and this is kind of highly developed, highly developed country, highly developed country. And you know, what was the development? What was the development? You know, people are people, same everywhere. But what was the development? Money big money and so we sold the water for money <laughs> yeah and doesn't nobody cleans it up because it costs too much to clean it up so you know you look at this and you feel a sense of well, you feel all kinds of emotions but whatever you feel is what you feel but then you think well, what do you do 
okay, well, I, I, I don't want to participate in this. If I can make any attempt to not participate in this, I will do so. It may not be much, but at least be better than doing nothing. And realize if, you know, if more of us do a little bit, then out of conscience and concern, we feel, well, I've done something. I haven't just gone along in the stream. So ways like this, you see, particularly as lay people, you have the chance to influence because it's really the the it's the market that rules. You know, it's not, you know, democracy or communism or fascism or anything-ism, it's money-ism is what rules the world, materialism. And so if you have a chance to use your wealth in a skillful way, I encourage you to do it and to withdraw it from unskillful actions. Then you think, you know, I'd sooner sacrifice a little bit of convenience. Uh, Be careful of that word, convenient. Be careful of that word, faster. Nice, shiny new car. Where did that come from? Where does it go to? You know, keep doing this and you're thinking, I think I'll walk. (laughs) If I can, you know. If I can, I'll get a bus or something. So this isn't just an encouragement, it's like all these things, these are voluntary training and the basic principle that's for one's welfare is hiriotapa, conscience and concern and the basic aspiration is to live in the atmosphere of metta, goodwill, we just always try to walk in that atmosphere of goodwill, kindness, compassion, non-violence, non-blame, non-harm, non-anger, kindness, until you really know what that is, you know, what love is, and it's not passion, and it's not sentiment, it's not romance, it's not attraction, it's just the quality of respect for sentient beings, where our hearts open and we feel trust and warmth towards each other quite naturally. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what we encourage. And you think, well, if we can do it towards humans, this one, that one, creatures, you know, the more you can do it, the richer your atmosphere gets. And you breathe that in. And you breathe that in and your body becomes cleaner and your mind becomes cleaner. That's the atmosphere. That's the atmosphere we practice in. How do we walk? We walk with mindfulness. That's our, that's our vehicle. That's what we walk with. We move with mindfulness. Where do we go? We go to Nibbana. <laughs> the cooling, the dispassion, the disengagement. You know, if you don't know what Nibbana is or you just got some idea about it, it begins with just that ability to disengage from a sankhara, disengage from a habit, disengage from the pressure of the mind to wish and crave and fear and worry, just disengage. That's the seed of Nibbana. That's the seed. That's where the Buddha lives. Like a little, you know, a great tree grows out of an acorn, out of a little seed. The great tree of Nibbana grows out of that seed of just the ability to step back and disengage. You see. Okay. I'm witnessing. I'm aware. I'm not reacting. I'm not frightened. I'm not despairing. I'm in this cool place. And that seed may be only, only as big as the tip of your little finger. <laughs> You dwell in it, you sit in it, and you keep referring everything to, back to it 
it's going to unfold just like the tree comes out of the acorn the tree comes out of the seed so Nibbana begins to unfold from Viveka Viraga Niroda or Saga disengagement dispassion ceasing of Sankara that moment when the Sankara drops or Saga relinquishment of the idea that we have to be some conditioned thing and then this Buddha said this is this is your track this is your track for Nibbana follow the track follow the track comes out of this seed and what holds the seed the earth of that is sila that's the earth that you plant the seed in and you water it with metta and that's how it grows so this is the uh, um, way well, it seems to me anyway but it's up to you <laughs> you know I'm just I'm just this <laughs> Say a few words, and if it's uh, offensive, I apologize for that. No intention to harm or criticize or blame anyone. If you think it's not in accordance with the Buddha's teaching, I'm prepared to be corrected. I need guidance, and uh, I really wish for your welfare, and I've enjoyed your company here. The things you've said in your interviews have been interesting and informative and encouraging. I'm very pleased that you've had some benefit from this time.